0: Welcome to the Saturday Night podcast. He is Chris Marler. My name is Connor uh, Marler, it, it feels weird to talk about sports that aren't related to Kobe's death. Um, yeah. By this point, we're recording this on Monday night. People are listening to this probably Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that. I'm sure people have heard a lot about Kobe, but we are an SEC football podcast, and we are going to talk about some different SEC things today, but... Yeah. Real quick, off the top, I mean, this is a, a story that, obviously, it, it transcends sports. It transcends mm-hmm. regions, I mean, pop culture, all that stuff. You were in California this weekend, um, interestingly enough, like, literally just got back to be able to Us, record yeah. this podcast, um, but just, where, like, where, where were you, like, kind of when you heard all of this stuff go down, because I was I, the, go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, I I when I, when I got, like, the text saying that Kobe died... I, it was from a, a friend who, you know, I didn't want to say that he falls for stuff like that, but yeah. you assumed that, okay, this is just, like, this is some made-up thing.
1: Yeah, I um, was at the UC Berkeley bookstore, actually, like, in, in Berkeley. We just walked in toward the campus at Cal, um, and somebody, like, my friend texted me, and it was actually, it's kind of the opposite of that, because it's, like, my my group of friends, like, Rich and Jeff and, those guys, they, they usually, they'll see and hear stuff, and then they'll do the logical thing, which is, like, wait to see it's verified. And they're like, I don't know if it's real. It's like, you know, TMZ's going on and reporting it. So then, of course, I get on Twitter, and I see the TMZ thing, and I see, like, right. the kind of, you know, what we talked about off-air, like, the rush to immediately, you know, be the first one to say reported or whatever, like, the of RIP worse. stuff. And I, I saw the TMZ thing. It, it, I don't know if it was just me being, like, predisposed to not wanting to believe it, or if it was, like... Because I was in so much shock. There were people, like, I, one dude, like, literally, like, fell to the ground. Like, in, in, because, like, he's, I think he, he was, he's an icon that, like, we talked about, you know, he transcends all sports, and he transcends not just American, you know, pop culture heroes and icons or yeah. sports heroes. It's, it's the whole world, and everyone knows Kobe, you know? Um Great beef, great basketball player. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you like, it's, it, it was one of those
0: things that you, you hear it, and, like, you just kind of have, have a moment where thinking like, no, that's, that, that can't be, They can't be mm. right in so many different no people. Way. Yeah. I mean, like everybody of course is tweeting about it nonstop and it's like, oh, first this person's side and oh, it's this entire family. And then like, let's just get it, let's just get it freaking right. Like how, yeah. how is that so difficult for people to, to come up with, with stuff like that for different well, reports to surface like that? I hated that. There were a lot of things about this whole deal that really bothered me, like the way that everything kind of went down. Like I feel, I felt like crap for for his family and the people and the lives that were impacted because there were a whole lot more lives impacted from Kobe than what you saw mm-hmm. on your Twitter feed or what you saw on Facebook or what you saw on Instagram. But yes. we're never going to know those people necessarily. Like that, that was part of the the fallout of this, of just like seeing the way that people reacted. I don't know. Like it just, it. There was a lot of different like mixed emotions I had because obviously, like this is a tr- a tragic, tragic set of circumstances, yeah. and we don't talk about stuff like this very yeah. much as it relates to to sports. But we are so programmed to have our own reactions and stuff like that, and not necessarily yeah. thinking about the, some of the long term impacts that something like that can have.
1: I mean, there's a three year old, a seven month old that are going to grow up never knowing their father, and Sucks. that's like, you know, that part. Like, like I got emotional when I when I heard everything because it was like. It's a dude that I grew up watching. I had I was never a Lakers fan. I was never a huge. I wasn't like I was like I love Kobe. I was never in like the online arguments and debates about who was the greatest and all that kind of crap. Yeah, and let's was just like, put all those to bed too. Yeah, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it was like it is. It's somebody that we all grew up. We everyone it's, you just know him. You know MJ. You know Jordan. You know you know LeBron. You know Jordan. You know Kobe. And it was it was just one of those things where I think being out there, it was it was pretty not difficult. It was I I, I teared up and. I, I told Allie, I go, I feel so stupid. I don't know why I'm reacting like this because it's just so bizarre. Like, I, I just I just didn't see it happening. Right. And and she was like, yeah, you know, it's like – and she's she's a huge into sports. And, and so we were actually with her family, and her her brother-in-law is born and raised in L.A., like, went to USC, but like, Lakers season tickets. Like, he was devastated. Just I mean, just devastated. And I think it's – you know, people handle things differently anyway, and I think, you know, we're not going to get too much into some of it and, like, the – you know the reaction, the social yep. media reactions to it, but it was it was it was tough for sure.
0: Yeah, it's just an odd sports story. It was you I know mean, just one of those that you don't believe. It was trying to think if there's any any sort of comp that that we've experienced in our lifetime that would be people, like that.
1: People try to compare it to JFK, which was a, a bit of a stretch for me. Which I oh, I, I didn't couldn't get on board one. with that. Yeah, it was. I heard that, and I heard another one that I'm not going to repeat because it was way too much of a stretch. But it was uh, happened in the early 2000s. <laughs> But I I heard
0: Dale Earnhardt was the one that Ah
1: uh, that makes more sense. I heard 911, which I was like that's not the same. That is that is not the same. <laughs> It was a uh, Earnhardt makes sense. It was yeah. um but it, it just it, it's just a sad thing that you just it kind of stops you in your tracks because it's like you realize how, you know, fragile life can be and and how quickly it was how it, was, it, can, it can be taken away. So it was, you know, One of those things that you hope 20 years from now, people uh, look back on this moment and say, yeah, I I
0: started living my life differently because Mm -hmm. a moment like this, a story so big. You know, in the same way that a death like... Princess Diana or something mm-hmm. like that makes us realize hey maybe we should t- take a step back and realize what we're doing from a paparazzi angle I don't yeah. know how many massive changes w- came of that but I'm sure there was some sort of you know new, new procedures put in place I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to be yeah. you know the exact byproducts of something like this but I, I'm a believer that not to get like religious or anything but that good could happen of any any sort of yeah. situation and it was I, nice I to see
1: people united process. for once it's a uh, for, for what, you know for no matter what the reason but it was nice to see that was the thing. Well, let's disagree on some stuff.
0: How about it? Let's do it. We've <laughs> got a negative. lot. We've got a lot to get to today. Um, Senior Bowl happened over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we had the Felipe Frank's news come out last week. This is one of the down things of doing the one podcast a week. I know that's old news. I know that's old news, but we didn't necessarily get to say some of the thoughts that we had about Felipe in general and what this new chapter at Arkansas could potentially look like. So I want to touch on that a little bit, and then you know. I figured with all these new coaches coming into the SEC and, you know, a lot lot has happened this past year that has sort of changed the way that we look, even at the top in terms of the elite coaches. I thought it would be a fitting time to do an updated ranking of SEC coaches, something that I did online. (laughs) You know, I did for for SDS. I couldn't have said that like a more, like, 19th century person. I did it on the online. I don't
1: know why I said it like (laughs) that. Um, On the line.
0: (laughs) we're gonna get into that Connor, you can
1: on. say whatever you want and i won't pick up on it because i literally got up at 5 a.m or i'm sorry 4 a.m uh i don't know what time zone and, nice. and, and it, it's now i'm here at seven o'clock in in atlanta America.
0: well i i see um there's a sign in the back of the facetime right now or you know like a, a frame print that you have yeah. that says hey t ale so Georgia. Georgia. um so yeah i think you're in atlanta Georgia. that's that's my best guess yeah um, so let's let's get into some senior bowl stuff um some of the, the the fallout that we saw from the week itself not just the game but you know stuff that happens in practice and people talking and people hyping up players and stuff there were a few things mm-hmm. that i wanted to hit on in itself the star of the senior bowl was javon kinlaw and he was there for a day <laughs> I mean, yeah he, like <laughs> basically pieced out and was like hey look you know first round pick Pretty much showed y'all what I can do, and then was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I think he had a minor injury,
1: so he essentially set out the rest of Senior Bowl
0: week." But, he deoned
1: um, it. Not, not. He didn't really deon. I'm kidding, but he, he, like, I feel like he was. He could have done the. You know, Dion showed up to the combine, ran the forty, and just kept running out the door. I mean, and that's a pretty boss
0: move. If you can yeah, do that, it you is. do that.
1: Yeah, and hopped in a limo and left, and said he, he did all <laughs> he needed to do. But I, I could have seen Kinlaw showing up and like. Like just a jersey or just like like a cut off sleeve shirt, like a tank top, and just like flex once, and then yep. be like, "Y'all have a good day, safe travels, you know, peace. I'm out of here. I'll see y'all later." And that would have been enough because he yeah, his, he's his just 3'15", Like he, he,
0: I think it was pro football focus that wrote. He looks like he was built out of a lab to play defensive tackle. In yeah, the NFL. he
1: was. Like, he's like, not fat. Like like he was fat. <laughs> he was fat, and now he's put on weight, and now he looks even better. And it's just like, good god, man. He, he Yeah, he was. He was. He was a a very big talk of the week.
0: I didn't realize he was three forty when he got to South Carolina. I I read that you know, reading more about him because he's somebody that we talked about throughout this season, Mm -hmm. and we talked about especially after that Georgia game where he had a great performance and somebody who was really making made a made a huge impression in the SEC this year, got All America love, all that
1: stuff. But then he had a sack a game for the first half of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was really, really good, and his sack numbers didn't necessarily equate at the end of the season, but is somebody that went into this process is, oh, yeah,
1: probably like a first-round guy, and
0: now it's like, oh, yeah, like that dude, he stands out. Is he going to be French top 10,
1: like that kind of thing? Like, <laughs> he, for real, he's like, he, he is, you know, i tell you what, we'll get into it, obviously, but that kind of is the tip of the iceberg. When when you speak of the actual depth and talent, one of the questions I have, like, looking forward to the draft and what I saw from this week at senior, or senior bowl practice was, is this going to be one of those things where it's like the defensive line group coming out of this class is maybe the deepest ever in, in, in the SEC. Like it, that it's ever been in this conference.
0: Yeah, I mean really, really, really good. And I feel like even guys like Richard Lawrence, you're not really hearing a whole lot about yeah. them. I mean Ray, who's
1: Raekwon Davis? Yeah. Who is that? Yeah, I, I mean,
0: mean, remember we talked about him so much coming into the year about whether or not he deserved to be a top ten prospect yeah. in the SEC like or something like that. Two but, years in a row. I mean Yeah. No. Just not necessarily a, a believer necessarily. Stock up though, definitely for Javon Kinlaw. Um, somebody who definitely helped himself with the week in mobile. Speaking of Mo- Mo- M- mobile, mobile, <laughs> mobile. I said mobile because, and it's fitting because as we get to this person, I have had a different pronunciation of this person's name. Lamical. Lamical. Lamical P. Ryan. What a great way for him to kind of kick things off in the Senior Bowl game itself. Had that touchdown catch on the screenplay from Justin Herbert right off the bat couple of LSU guys blocking for him. Uh, that was yeah. you know, noted by LSU fans when so I tweeted out that video. Um, but what a weird case this is because, A, he's a senior running back. B, uh-huh. his, his rushing numbers were down throughout the year because that offensive line I thought was a big Terrible. part of that, really struggled with that. But somebody who at the same time, showed throughout this year what he can do in the passing game and for him to mm-hmm. be able to have the two games that he did to close off his college career essentially with the senior bowl performance that he had with getting a touchdown in that game and really finishing off that that catch and run really nicely and then having the orange bowl performance where he just dominated. I mean, Virginia yeah. did not have an answer for him. Good for LaMichael P. Ryan to be able to kind of show out in front of his hometown like that and probably make himself some money. I've got to think that that guy's going to have some day-two interest with all the different things he can do for an offense.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to what he runs. He's going to get a lot of unfair Vander, uh not Evander uh, – Elijah Holyfield comps just because he's from the SEC. He's I kind of a short that. stocker guy. Yeah, I do too. Um, so I don't think they're the same. They both they both are kind of built for – in between the tackles. But we've seen this nonstop from, from like people and Every time you think he's not going to be a complete back, can't catch of the backfield. You saw what he did in Mobile. The times where you think he – like, you know, he, there was like the whole – the game against Auburn, when he flat out said he's like, yeah, they told me they wouldn't recruit me because I wasn't fast he enough. Balled out against Auburn too. Yeah, and he has yeah. that run, which is still one of my favorite videos. Just watching like the, the escalation of cheers uh, in the stadium, like from from his run against Auburn. I just like, I don't know if he'll get a lot of day two love. And running backs, it's so tough because they are kind of like you know, um, it, it's a it's a ro- it's a revolving door. I think like yeah. in the NFL with, with running backs. So we'll see. But but I think he's done everything he. Uh he's, he's done more than he's that he's been asked to do and more than people thought he could do.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dan Mullen essentially got to that point at the end of the year where he's like, what's, what's the point of trying to run right. you 15 times a game? This is stupid. This isn't going right. anywhere. Let's just use you in the passing game. We're going to be able to use that as an extension of our ground game. And the byproduct of that is the Michael P. Ryan showed the next level people, hey, look, I can be a versatile back. I can come in on third down. And I'm not saying that he's necessarily going to be like a second-round guy or something like that. He's not on the same level as DeAndre Swift. But, man, i got to think that somebody is going to want to take a chance on him in the middle rounds. I think they're going to be very happy when they do that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Let's let's talk Jalen Hurts because I thought it was a bit of an up-and-down, at least an up-and-down performance for him. Um, the week itself was really cool. Seeing the way the kids mm-hmm. reacted to him um, back in Alabama, the Man, dual, that was the dual cool, helmet
1: huh? thing. I mean, like... Only one person didn't like the dual helmet thing, and I'll just let... You know what? I'll just say who it was. Dan effing Wolken is the only one that didn't like that whole thing about the the, the helmet, which was like, good God. It just Can we just... Can we not? Can we just enjoy things? I like, yeah, Nickelback sucks, seconds. but can we enjoy things? Like, that's... You know what I mean? For real. Like, it's just like, it's just so quick. Like, ugh, like, oh, are you going to do this for everyone? No, Dan, we're not going to do this for everyone at all. Because this is a guy that's bigger than a lot of other names in the sport. Like, he's, he's given so much to the, just, anyway. Yeah, damn it. Dan <laughs> Wolkin.
0: It was cool to see the way that people reacted to him. And there was even a yeah. point in the game where he had a pass to Juwan Jennings that went for, I think, minus four yards. And yeah, that was he, before the touchdown. His pass went for minus four yards. And the people the mobile crowd was like, they were they were ready for it. They yeah. were so hyped just to be able to see him the ass. They're like, that's Jalen, that's our guy. Came in late to the game, but was able to, to redeem himself later on, had a dime that he threw to Juwan Jennings yeah. in the corner of the end zone. Really, really nice play. I'm so like the week itself was great and I love the Jalen Hurts story and it's been fun to watch. And I even saw during the season there were people that were putting him in the first round of mock drafts and all these mm-hmm. things. I'm I'm not there, and I think this week was a little bit of a reminder. When you watch Mm -hmm. him side by side with somebody like Justin Herbert, and that's not to I don't want to be in the I don't think Jalen can ever succeed in the NFL type thing, but I think he's going to be more of a mid round guy. Somebody's going to draft him as a backup. Hope that he goes to the right system, works with the right offensive mind to be able to build him into a guy. I don't know. That was just kind of my takeaway of watching. I'm not trying to crap on Jalen because he's awesome and I hope he succeeds, but it was a little bit tough for him. I thought at points.
1: Yeah, but I mean, and sure it was, but we also like what bothers me about the, the the stuff with Jalen is people people like are so quick to make the make some assessment on him either way. Like, I mean either way, like 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 he he's only a running quarterback, and then it's like you see him like what he did like for, at Oklahoma for the entire season, and, his, and all of his accuracy numbers are up. You see what he did last year at the at Alabama, and, like all of his accuracy numbers are up. I tell you what, he, his last touchdown against against uh, Georgia in the SEC championship game last year. It was with his legs, right? The the game-winning touchdown. He didn't win that game with his legs. He won that game with his arm. And I think everyone would agree agree with that. But people just kind of, you know, this is his fourth year in college football, so people already have, just like in the guy we're going to talk about next, in the next topic, Felipe Franks. Like, People already have their mind made up, and so that's just what he is. And I I think that, I don't think he was ever going to be a first-round pick. And even comparing him to... To a guy like Justin Herbert, like they're they're not the same quarterback. I mean, Jalen is six one, six two, kind of stockier. He he's is he is more of a runner, and 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 he's he's kind of a tweener in terms of like what people were what you would compare him to going to the next level. I don't know if he's ever going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I know that he is a good enough athlete and a good enough competitor that he will land somewhere and he will be he will have I think at least a couple years of success in the in the NFL or playing professional football. Whether it's the XFL or whatever,
0: yeah, it was. It's it was sort of weird to even think about Jalen in the NFL because I feel like we've spent so much time talking about him in the college game and what he Yeah, has all-time meant. quarterback. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like if you're playing pickup football, like Jalen's all-time quarterback. Yeah, I mean he is kind of that guy. But you know, I, I hope that Jalen is able to to impress at the combine and kind of you know show that look he is. He is capable of being, you know, maybe maybe a day two guy potentially, and somebody you know somebody sees something in him that they, they see see they can work with, and, and and you know his career has yeah. has plenty of bright moments ahead. I hope that happens.
1: Uh, real quick, one one person I do want to give a shout out to that we haven't touched on: Marlon Davidson had himself a week. Marlon, Marlon Davidson, Davidson is a large, was individual. fantastic. He also is a very talented individual. I was really impressed with what he was able to do. <laughs>
0: I don't know how much a guy like Marlon Davidson can. I was surprised that he, you know, would go to to the Senior Bowl to be honest, yeah. because we all kind of know who he is at this point. We've been watching. Do him. Do we? In a, we've been watching him in a big time role at Auburn though for four years. That's right. The guy's been around for forever. I mean, he's been blocking kicks since like you know the, the start of the playoff era. It feels like, but I mean, that, that's a guy who you know you, you're impressed that he's able to do that on that kind of stage. But it's just a reminder of look. I mean, this is this is somebody who could could have been playing in the NFL this past year. Yeah, I think so. But is is going to be? I, I would imagine he's going to be one of the first defensive linemen that, that's taken in this draft. Probably not ahead of Derek Brown, but somebody that yes made himself some money in Mobile for sure.
1: Right.
0: Felipe Franks. I know it's old. Like I said at the top of the pod, it, it's old. It's old news. But Arkansas fans are trying to. I think trying to process how exactly they feel about this because. They knew that they were in the DeAr King sweepstakes as well. And Felipe feels like a little bit of a notch below it. At least depending on who you ask. I think if you ask the majority of Arkansas fans, they would say, Yeah, we want a King a little bit more than Felipe. I think that's fair to say at this right. point. Right. Great move though for Sam Pittman to be able to get a grad transfer in, not necessarily have to, you know, worry about you know, what do we have you know, within within the program to be able to kind of you know, solidify the quarterback position. You have somebody that has started for an entire year in the SEC, and yes, he's coming off of a significant injury, but at the same time, you know, you're, you're getting somebody that, on the grad transfer market, you're not really going to get somebody much better than that in terms of no. what, they've, what they've been able to show. I, Felipe, though, when I heard this news, and I heard that he was going to Arkansas, my first thought was I can't wait to see how he responds to not being in Dan Mullen's offense and what that looks like for him at this point of his career.
1: Yeah, and I don't. Do we know what Sam Pittman's offense is going to be? Like, I don't. Is just he going to have to switch? Eleven offensive linemen. Oh, Ten offensive say- linemen. In Felipe. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I'm sorry. I don't know. This is so funny to me. Um, yeah, I, like is is Felipe switching to pulling guard? Because, like, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing that happen. I, I think. I think this is big for Arkansas because, and it's. It's funny to me for a number of reasons, but it, I think it's big for Arkansas first and foremost because they get a proven quarterback that had put up numbers in SEC play against SEC competition it, or it, he, in, a, in an entire season while playing for an SEC team is what I should say. That's, okay? Yeah, I, I don't understand what you're saying with that. That's Okay, you, and yeah. you know where I'm probably going with this because I brought this up before. Um, but I think it's big for Arkansas because you did get a name brand, like you got a name brand name, if that makes sense. Like you know yeah. what I mean. Like it's, a, you didn't get Derek King and all that kind of stuff, and I don't think that was nev- ever necessarily gonna be a possibility. But like you know, having a guy got like Nick Starkle last year and trying to get excited about that and trying to talk yourself into something of like, well, you know, he played in the SEC, the SEC, he's familiar with the defenses and blah blah. You don't have to do that, with Felipe Franks. Like it's 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 not somebody you have to really talk yourself into as much you know what I mean like, like he put up 27 touchdowns six interceptions what I will say is I've been saying this the entire offseason last year oh and it's amazing to me how quickly Florida fans seem to turn all of their distaste towards me into their distaste towards rankings stats facts about about Felipe Franks because it went very quickly from me and I was like you know 27 touchdowns six picks but against the SEC I think it's was 24 wasn't it 24 but with adding adding the three rushing touchdowns. Oh,
0: gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. okay.
1: Yeah. But at but against the SEC, only ten passing touchdowns, and all six of his interceptions came in those games, and that became like you're sleeping on Frank's and you just don't like the Gators and blah blah. And now, amazingly enough, Kyle Trask is the savior. Felipe's out of there. That wasn't going to work anyway. I just, you hate to see it. You hate to see it, yeah. The, the troubling
0: stat about Felipe um, is the fact that he's I think it's 22 games that he's played against power five teams. Yeah, he has had one game in which he completed 65% of his passes and had multiple touchdowns. That That's not great. That's not great. There are <laughs> other, if you you could spin it any way you want, though, with Felipe. I mean, mm-hmm. any way, any which way that you want, if you want to be fully on board, there's a lot of great stuff out there. You can it's look like at the Newman, Newman thing. Close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Newman thing. I think there's a little bit more. There's there's more good than bad to be able to convince yourself and to sell yourself on. But yeah, I, I think with Felipe, the good and the bad is just going to be it's going to be very entertaining and it's going to be very noteworthy. And I compare him to James Winston. I, I and I realize that James Winston threw thirty interceptions and Felipe did not throw thirty interceptions. of Florida. Yeah, almost but in the NFL, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, just in terms of like the you're going to see plays from Felipe throughout the course of the game where you say that's a first round NFL pick. The throw Mm -hmm. that he just made, oh my goodness. Sign me up. I I cannot. I I am fully on board. I'm a believer with this team. And then he's going to probably have an instance like on the next series where you wonder how he ever – got to this level of college football. I mean, that, yeah. that is truly the Felipe Franks experience. You can go back to that Miami game in week zero in that opener when he has that great throw to Josh Hammond. It's a 65-yard yeah. gain, and then he I runs do in this. the score. Yeah slaps, yeah, slaps hands with all the fans, kind of jawing with the Miami fan after. Yeah, very and next Florida time, fans, which is also weird. <laughs> very, yeah, a little, a little bit of both. Uh, very next time he steps on the field, you know, he throws that pick that's just horrendous. I mean, horrendous. Inspires the greatest <sighs> gift of college football in the 2019 season, which okay. Oh Spurrier, yeah, shaking his head. <laughs> that is the Felipe Franks experience. I'm telling you, Arkansas fans, you're going to have great moments. You, re- you I, I believe that. I believe that more than you have yeah. in any quarterback that you've had in recent memory. But just beware. The bad moments are coming. They're, they're going amazing. to come with Felipe.
1: The bad man. It, it, it is. So... <laughs> Like when you said Felipe Felipe Frank's experience, all I could think of was a it's like a roller coaster. Like like you're like you know how you enter like Space Mountain at Disney World and it's like it's like a giant oh, yeah, I shed, basically. Yep. And it's like but like it's like so I just picture this like sign outside and it's like the Felipe Frank's experience. Yep. Like, beware. <laughs> so I think I mean I, I think it's I think it's a great pickup for him. And I think listen, like I, I know I gave Florida fans crap earlier for for themselves uh and how they acted in the offseason, but I mean like this is one of those things where I think that we like like that the thing that Barrett Salibi has brought up several times earlier this year said about Jake from Justin Fields. I think this is actually holds way more truth where both both parties it's it's mutually exclusive for both parties. Like Florida has their quarterback, Arkansas now has a quarterback, and I tell you what, Arkansas fans like we joke around about like the like the ups and downs that Felipe has, and those are going to happen. But that young core of receivers they have. Like they are going to Traylen make some Birch, plays, Knox, yeah, right. and we got a Boyd whole, coming back as well. Rakeem, exactly. Backfield. So yeah. the skill position players are going to be in, in in a great shape for him, which Felipe Franks, flat out, in my opinion, needs because I don't I don't think he's a guy that where he's going to go throw people open for three thousand yards. I think I think he's going to need some help around him, and I think he's got it with a with a very very talented group of skill position players. I think
0: Felipe would have struggled a little bit more in this offense this past year with the offensive line questions that Florida had throughout the season. Yeah. I kind of wonder about that. And, you know, I, I think that Sam Pittman is going to tr- try and do the best he can building off that offensive line at Arkansas. We'll see how Felipe responds to this. That's the thing that I'm most curious about is Felipe has been criticized, and deservingly so, for how he's yeah. handled the down moments in his career when he gets benched against Mizzou. And then the next week, you know, because Kyle Trest broke his leg, he comes back and scores a touchdown against South Carolina and he, he shushes the crowd. It's like, It's just the home crowd. Like who who does that? You would never see, you know, Jake Fromm or Jalen Hurts or you know Tua, like those these guys doing these things. And that that to me is is kind of what makes the Felipe Franks experience that roller coaster. Is that how how he's going to handle this and and what his maturity level is really going to determine his NFL future because those those tools are there. I mean, we talk about a lot of these things. Like you can't teach some of the throws that he's able to make throughout the course of a game. So Arkansas fans, buckle in. Buckle in. It's going to be a fun ride. We can say that. It's, it's going to get bumpy. It's going to get bumpy. Let's update some SEC coach rankings heading into 2020. Saban. Things Things have happened. Things have changed. And we have a couple of, well, not a couple. We have four new faces in the SEC. So I thought it'd be a, a fitting time to do this instead of, you know, just June when everybody's kind of, you know, in the dog days of, of, of you know, I guess it's not the dog days of summer, but it's the dog
1: days of the college football offseason, yeah. so to speak. So do you, um, do you mean Vegas rankings? Like who you want to take to Vegas with you? Uh, we're,
0: we're not doing that. Not, not not quite today. If you want that though, that's the type of stuff that you get on our Instagram account. Go follow us on Instagram Saturday down South. Uh, shout out to our guy PB, uh, Lane Kiffin, I think retweeted that over like a couple weeks ago. It was Kiffin or Leach. Somebody retweeted it. Mullen obviously like that. Yeah. I think it was ours.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool. I I mean, I will say, I will say that, uh, Big shout out to one of our listeners. Uh, I don't know his, his, his actual name. It's Escape here now. It's been a long day, but Dog Stats. Um, he, he's yeah. reached out several times where he loves. He loves that this is like he loves his content. It's his favorite. And, and when I say favorite, he hates it. He definitely hates it. <laughs> um, let's <laughs> do let's see the actual coaches' rankings.
0: <laughs> um, all right, so I'm gonna. I'll, I'll start. I'll start at 14 here, and you know we're we're basing this. I base this on if I was. Given the task, as let's I'm gonna put myself in the athletic director position and say mm-hmm. I need to go hire a coach to to build a season for just one for for a year. I got a coach to be able to to say, all right, you know, you're you're the guy that I'm putting in charge, guy or girl, could be a girl, but it's not in the SEC, um, not yet. When will there be a female coach in the SEC? What are you
1: doing? I'm sorry. Um, Stop backtracking.
2: So
0: I'm gonna. (laughs) I I base this based on not necessarily who has the all-time best resume. Their resume matters, but it's not necessarily everything. That was Mm -hmm. what I wanted to say. All right. 14. Sam Pittman. 13. Eli Drinkwitz. 12. Derek Mason. 11. Will Muschamp. 10. Jeremy Pruitt. 9. Lane Kiffin. 8. Gus Malzahn. New Gus. Seven, put your money in this bank, Mark Stoops. Six, Mike Leach. Five, Jimbo Fisher. Four, Dan Mullen. I'll explain that in a minute. Three, Kirby Smart. Two, Ed Ogeron. One, Nick Saban. Biggest thing that stands out on that list is what? Malik Willis at eight? (laughs)
1: Uh, In the the notes, Mark Stoops saying you're tempted to have him over Fisher, um, which we'll get to, obviously. Uh, Let's let's talk to to him right now. Pruitt okay. being over Muschamp, makes no sense to me.
0: Pruitt over Muschamp makes no sense. Okay, um, I give Pruitt credit for obviously turning around this season and being mm-hmm. able to kind of rise above those expectations. Whereas Muschamp, I think when the pressure when the pressure has been on so far throughout yeah. his time in South Carolina, which it wasn't on going into that that twenty, I guess it would have been the twenty seventeen season where they finished well, they finished with the Outback Bowl victory against, uh, against Michigan, but I don't think the pressure was really on, and I don't think that he necessarily showed us, look, this is, this is a program that you, know, you should be respecting or thinking about in a different way. I think Pruitt and the, what he inherited at Tennessee and what he's done in two years is arguably, I know Muschamp inherited a really rough situation in South Carolina, not saying that, but I think the job that Pruitt has done at Tennessee has been a little bit more impressive
1: so far. Or you think that part of that might be because you're uh, strictly looking at rec- recency bias and talking about the last seven wins in a row? Because he's I mean, got a below 500 record. He lost to Georgia State and BYU at home with massive leads. Yeah, not not Georgia State he was pretty much losing the whole time on that one. Um, I like if Jeremy Pruitt had. If, I tell you what, if Jeremy Pruitt had lost to Georgia State and then had to face Clemson, A and M, Bama, Georgia, what guaranteed? Because State. Jeremy Pruitt didn't beat any of those teams. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Jerry Pruitt, like, in Tennessee's schedule, no offense, guys, uh, has always been backloaded. Like that's I used to hate it when I was growing up because it would be like, all right, well, maybe Tennessee will lose in November. And it's like, who they got? And like, Vandy, Kentucky, like, well, blank. Like, that's not yeah. good. I, so I, I, would have, I would have Muschamp ahead of him just because we've seen Muschamp prove it at other schools. I think okay. he's done pretty well. There you go. All
0: right.
1: Um, let's talk about the, the Stoops-Jimbo thing because I think Mark Stoops is a
0: top 15 coach in the country. Which says a lot, yeah, I think, about the I current agree. state of SEC coaches. That the number seven coach on this list, I could really make a case that he's a top 15 coach in the country. I'm very tempted to put him ahead of Jimbo Fisher because it's not, I'm not basing this just purely on resume. As I said, people that are still holding on to the 2013 national championship, I mm-hmm. get all of that. The last three years, you're going to accuse me of some recency bias here, but I think this matters. <laughs> Mark Stoops, twenty-five and fourteen. Jimbo Fisher, twenty-two and fifteen. Oh, but they play in different divisions. You ask, what do they do against quality opponents? Tell me about that stuff. Same exact conference record. Same wins against ranked teams. They both have three. Same yeah. amount of top twenty-five finishes. Now, Jimbo Fisher was doing that with a seventy-five million dollar contract and one hundred five thousand people showing up to watch him coach at Texas A oh, and M. Oh, at Florida State. Mark Stoops is doing that at Kentucky.
1: I yeah, think. well, then they play last year at at A and M, and they lost like twenty to fourteen. It was or something a overtime like that was like pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, so I, I I wouldn't disagree necessarily. It, it and what's hard about this ranking and why I'm glad that you're the one that's making the the numbers, <laughs> not me. Is the, is that like it is so difficult to to look at this as like I just said I just said because I'm sure people are gonna be like, Joe Busham went four and eight. He shouldn't be ahead of Pruitt. We made the Goodyear Blint Bowl. What what was the bowl? Gator Bowl. We made the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Um. Like, Wilma Schamp also led Florida to 12 wins one year, and they were one of the top, I don't know, 15 teams in the SEC in, in the last decade or something. I think we had listed. I, like, they won 11 games. I, I, I mean, yeah, anyway, but it's hard to look, it's hard not to look at a full resume. And I think for this one, the argument can be made for both, because, like, when you look at Mark Soup's resume, you do have to factor in some of the fact that he's doing it at Kentucky. You, know you I mean? have like, to factor that and, in there. And, yeah. and, 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 God, Jimbo Fisher has just. I mean, just a golden parachute everywhere he's been. It seems like like he he has just failed upwards as much as possible, like into Florida State job, into the Texas A and M job, like like spurned LSU to go to A and M. I, I think, I think with when you look at both of them, the big thing I would say between Fisher and I think Fisher is is a great coach, but what marquee wins does Fisher have with all that with all, with all that talent? And people are, you know, what it's.
0: I I hate to be that guy because I'm I'm, I'm usually no, not. <laughs> but prove it in the sec prove that you're a great yeah, coach in the sec let's let's see it AM has a very favorable schedule as we've talked about a lot already yeah. we're going to probably talk about a lot throughout this offseason prove it in the sec that you can compete for host a division title game at, at your own place yeah. i realize the west and east are two different things but do not overlook what Stoops has been able to do at Kentucky. And from a development standpoint, if I'm putting Dude. my trust in a coach, I, to, to be to be clear, I still have Jimbo ahead of Stoops. I know I've, I've, I've said yeah, yeah, a but, lot but of I, But I,
1: I think both, you can make an argument for either. And, and by the way, let's not forget the fact that Florida State seriously considered and was turned down by, by Mark Stoops earlier to go clean up Jimbo's mess. And you yep. call it Taggart's mess all you want. It's Jimbo's mess. Taggart made it worse. Yep. Taggart made it worse. But like... Either way, it, it, it still wasn't. Uh, God, I forgot to tell you. I, there's no, there's no way to go on in this, in this story right now. But I was trying to think about putting out a fire. I put out a person that was on fire at, at, at dinner this week. Whoa, in California. We'll have, nice. we'll have to talk about it. We'll talk about later. It remind me of this, but like the Stoops thing. I just, I love Mark Stoops so much, and I know this is gonna really put like a, a dent in the argument um, for Kentucky fans who think that we hate them because I messed up the Pro Bowl graphic yesterday. But this this is I think Soups is a top fifteen coach and I don't think it's really in question because because this is the first year this is like think about this Cutter this is the first year where he didn't have the same or a higher amount of wins than the season before since he's been at Kentucky right and what happened this year oh I don't know he had a receiver play quarterback the entire damn season like you don't make you don't make that bowl game and then win that bowl game with that like that's crazy
0: yeah Jimbo Fisher loses his starting quarterback at Florida State and all of a sudden the, the program falls apart. Mark falls Stoops apart. Loses, Mark Stoops loses his starting quarterback and then realizes his backup isn't very good and says, let's just put in a receiver back there and everything worked out. Oh, and by fine. the way,
1: we're only going to run the ball and he's going to average eight yards a carry. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? Stoops is ahead of Jimbo. All
0: right. Um, I, think, I think when I put out, because I had, I had made the case on this podcast before, I've said I think Dan Mullen is a top five coach in the country. I, I still believe Dan Mullen is a top five <laughs> coach in the country. I only have one other non-SEC coach in my top five coaches nationally right now. Ryan Day, <laughs> a little fellow named Dabo, just just oh, okay. top five. just <laughs> got about in him. here. I just um,
1: consider him in the ACC, in the SEC. I take Dan
0: Mullen over Lincoln Riley. I take Dan Mullen over Brian Kelly. I take him over yeah. James Franklin. All these other guys. I think this year, not to not to say that recency bias is everything, but like we just talked about, with what you do when adversity hits. And you lose your starting quarterback, and you have to, and you turn to to somebody like Kyle Trask, and have the season that yeah. you did, where you win a New Year's Six Bowl. That obviously matters. I think the Kirby, Kirby having Kirby ahead of Mullen, though, if I put Mullen ahead of Kirby at this point, it's basically saying head to head doesn't even matter at all. And right. Kirby, you know, obviously has the advantage in two two years so far since Florida, the Florida Georgia thing with Mullen there. But I mean, he also kick the doors off him when he was, you know, when Kirby was in year two and, and obviously Mullen was still at Mississippi state, his final season there, that game was a runaway. So like, I don't want to completely dismiss that. That, that has to matter at some point. We're still talking about somebody in Kirby who has been to a national championship, who has won the sec East three times. Dan Mullen has still yet to win a division title. That's the thing that's holding him back in my opinion, but
1: it's very close. It's very close. Can I tell you real quick that, uh, do you know how many wins Brian Kelly has in his entire time as a head coach? In his entire time as a head, coach? are we coach? including
0: Grand Valley State because we that's are. unfair?
1: That's unfair. Why is that unfair?
0: Because it's not. It's not the FBS level. If you he's want, been
1: to- a, he's been a head coach. Think about this real quick. Okay, he has been a head coach since 1991, which is almost 30 years, right? Yep, it's pretty impressive. Are Brian Kelly's a
0: good coach. Not saying he's not.
1: Not saying he's not. Two hundred and forty-two wins all time. He has. He has in. If you look at just. If you look at just what he's done in the FBS, and I understand that that's more fair or whatever. But as a as a head coach, those are his numbers. Even just at FBS, he's won one hundred and forty-five games in two hundred and four total games. It's like a 71 percent winning percentage.
0: If I'm giving you a program
1: tomorrow, Dan Mullen thank you. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I just, I that's just like think, it like, and that, that's, honestly, that's not me trying to be, like, trying to, like, be a, a thorn in your side, trying to just disagree with what you're saying. I just think it's so crazy, because we did this last year. Remember, we yep. did this last year in the yep. summer, and I remember going, I, have, I still have a notebook somewhere, and it's just, like, all these tiny notes and these tiny pages, because it was a tiny notebook, Connor. Yep. And it was like, I was like, oh, my God, Brian Kelly is, like, a good coach, he is like he has almost 250 career wins. This is crazy to me. And you criticize Notre Dame and the lack I hate Notre Dame. Phones. Screw Notre Dame. Oh, but no, I th- I think that yeah, you're right. I, but like Dan Mullen, I I agree with what you're saying, especially for this this standpoint. One season,
0: Brian Kelly has zero wins against top 10 teams <laughs> in his last 3 years. You know who's got a few wins against top Man. ten teams in the last three years. Mr. Ed Oderon, who's beat twelve top ten teams in the last three years and seven teams who finished in the final top ten. That's more than anybody in the country. It's more than Sabin. It's more than Dabo. It's a really hard thing to do to be in the top ten dude,
1: team. I'm not saying I'm not saying that like that, that this is hasn't happened, and I'm not trying to be a a dick or anything like that, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think Bama's ever gone eleven and one. In twelve games, like and listen, I'm sure don't don't wh- whichever one of you right now is screaming and hollering about Bear Bryant. I'm not talking about Bear Bryant. I'm saying in the Saban era, I don't remember a time where we went eleven and one against against top two teams. And maybe maybe they did. Maybe they did. I don't know. But that that number, and this is why I got so heated when when he got paid. I got so happy. Forty
0: two million for good old Coach O.
1: And he deserves every effing penny. And yep. I, I, honestly, it's been such a long weekend. I didn't realize that. That happened Friday morning. It happened literally 30 minutes before we had to go to the wedding that we were out there for. And I was like, damn it. Like, this, this work is not just never stops. So it's like, but, but this, this whole thing, and, and people, like, not trying to pat ourselves on the back, but we're going to pat ourselves on the back. We talked about this two years ago, before the season, about how he did not need to be in the hot seat, how it was ridiculous to think he should be in the hot seat, and the numbers he was even putting up then. And... It's only gotten better. 11-1 against top, like, not top 25, top 10. 10. Top 10. That's crazy. He's got more
0: top 10 wins in the last three years since he's been the so full-time good. coach at LSU. than More top 10 wins than Jimbo Fisher, Tom Harmon, Lincoln Riley, Dan Mullen, James Franklin, Jim Harbaugh, Brian Kelly combined.
1: Combined. I would, love, I would love to know also the record or the average points, the average margin of victory. Because we talked about this this year. The 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 average, I added it up, and if I had the numbers in front of me, I'd just do it real quick, but the the top 10 teams that he beat this year, there's just five of them, he beat he beat them by 90, 98 points, which was 19.6 points per game. Beat that's, him like a It's ridiculous. Yeah.
0: yeah. So that's why I have Coach O at number two, and I know that's going to upset a lot of people, but he win a national championship, things change. Things change. Yeah. We, we can adjust to our way of thinking. People that are still holding on to this belief that he is the guy at Ole Miss, I mean, like, just just go bury that take. Just go put it somewhere where the sun don't shine yeah. and, and never talk about it again. Because that, that is up your butt. That is, that is in the past. And then save it at number one. Um, don't need to necessarily dig into that. Can we talk real quick about oh, we don't. Let's talk about Bopalini. <laughs> no, okay, sounds good. Um so this happened this happened today, earlier this afternoon. I wasn't sure that we were necessarily gonna get to talk about this, but this is something that's been rumored for the last week and we find out. That Bo Pelini is indeed going back to LSU to be the defensive coordinator to take over Dave Aranda's position, and I'm thinking to myself, if you had told me four months ago that at the start, that by the time 2020 rolls around, we're going to have Lane Kiffin, we're going to have Mike Leach, and we're going to have Bo Pelini in this conference, I would have kissed you on the mouth.
1: What the hell? What that? that got a very aggressive. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Bo. So Bo Pelini is. I'm very familiar with the memes, okay? All of the I'm cat not, stuff? Of the cat stuff. I'm not that familiar with um with the rest of, re- the, like, where, where all that came from. And I, okay, and, so and I know he's like a, okay.
0: So, like, I, like I've said before, I spent time out in central Nebraska, covered Nebraska football home games. I was there yeah. in Nebraska when he was fired. The cat stuff all happened because of Fopelini. If you don't follow Fopelini oh, on Oh, yeah, Twitter, I knew that. All that stuff came to be because of Fopellini and the persona that he was able to create. And so he came out the 2014 spring game holding up this cat. And this cat was just not having it. I mean, this, this yeah. poor this poor thing. All of that stuff was a little bit of a way to kind of like get back on get back some of that fan support. Yeah, some of yeah. it was a little bit of this narrative that he was trying to go for because he realized that his relationship with the administration was not good. And there are certain things about Bo Pelini that I think you can look at on the surface and say, this is what he is, and this is what he is going to be at LSU. I think he's a really good defensive mind. I think he is somebody who is better suited to be a defensive coordinator and an assistant than he is to run a big-time program. I think he is wound too tightly. We saw that at Nebraska, the relationship they had with the media where there were tapes that leaked where he's cursing out media members and stuff. That was the worst-kept secret ever, that he obviously did not get along with media, thought that the fans had way too high of expectations. All of these things that people are going to talk about. Yeah, like these things are true. It's different when you're in a coordinator position and you're dealing with this – this, this team that has just won a national championship, and you're not trying to be the head coach at a program that's like 10 years from, removed from being at the top of the college football world. It's yeah. a totally different ballgame. So my question is not necessarily, is he going to be able to replicate that exact success that he had from 2005 to 2007 when he was at LSU, and they, of course, won the national championship in 2007, and he had three consecutive top three defenses. My question is, how is he going to adapt to this new role? Can he just... Can he just chill out a little bit? Can he just dial, sort of dial it back, take it down a notch, and be able to gel with Coach O and this culture that he has built in Baton Rouge? That's my question.
1: So, and that's all something I'm very excited to to see and hear about. I don't know. I, don't like, know. I, I just I'm just I'm so um, I, I'm so like behind the times on on his. You got to keep in mind, man. He was the head coach at Nebraska, which is like obviously what he's most known for. I know he was the D coordinator at LSU. The resume in general is very, very impressive. Uh, DC at LSU, he was the co defense coordinator at Oklahoma. Uh, I believe the year they went to the national championship, um, it was a was a coach on staff with the 49ers, the Patriots, the Packers, and, and a lot of those years. Um, he he went to a few Super Bowls as well. I, I don't I don't think he's a bad coach, but I think it's so weird now because we just look at social media and how it, it kind of dictates and runs everything. The Faux-Pellini thing, he's become this character of a person as well. Right, right. Which yeah. kind of is why it makes so much sense for him to be at LSU from an outside looking in. Um, it, not in any part of the coaching like reason why it makes sense, but like it, that's why one of those are so excited. Like If, if he went and, and was on Kiffin's staff, it would make as much sense. You know what I mean? Like It's just, it's it's something, well, I'm saying in terms of like, he he got he got. I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now, and one of the premier and, and prominent things is social media, his social media presence. And For the sure. first thing you hear is is Faux Pellini. It, it impacted the, it impacted the Husker program and <laughs> included the creation of a rivalry trophy. I mean, he is he's a he's a guy that like when you really look at, at at like get through all the clutter. Like it's the same way with Coach O. Get through all the clutter of like the way he talks, some of the way he is in his press conferences, whatever. You look at like, the man and his actual resume, the dude was 67-27 at, at Nebraska. Never had it, worse than a nine-win season at Nebraska, yeah. They like, never had worse than a nine-win season at Nebraska, and they ran him off. They ran him
0: off because the Sean Eichhorst dynamic there was, was bad from the jump. He had a, yeah. just a terrible relationship. When, we talk about that all the time. How you, how you are able to perform in front of an athletic director who didn't hire you is so important in this world and and how you're able to last at a specific program. Sean, of course, came in after Bo Pelini was there. But you look at what he did at Youngstown State, and you're like, oh, he had this great second year they lost in the FCS National Championship. And then it sort of fell off the rails a little bit if you look at what he did after that. But that's not necessarily what's what's going to determine his future at LSU. Coach O and his ability to evaluate people and say – who is going to be a good fit here? Yeah, the Matt Canada stuff happened. Not the best look. More times than not, though, Coach O knows good good people for his program when he sees it. Yeah, and I I would I would tend to think that at this point we should just trust him. When Coach O says, you know what, we're going to give this guy two million bucks, and if it doesn't work, I think they would cut bait year one. But if it does, and if this is something where all of a sudden you've got a defense that's humming and you got a guy that's just going to be able to come in and take over exactly what Dave Aranda was able to build then you're sitting pretty for a while because at this point of, at this point of, of Bo Pelini's life, I, he's, he's in a much different place than he was back in 2007. Much different
1: place. And I tell you what, there's something to be said for, like, we, we talk about like, the, the, the actual coach himself with Coach O. Like, we try to talk about it as much as possible. But there is something to be said for one of the reasons why this may be working so well with all these coaches is you don't blank around with Coach O. Like, like, you're not going to mouth off to Coach O. And, and I think that, you know, Saban's built this, this culture where and, – and, and the reason I compare it is because those are the top two programs in the SEC, I think, especially from a coaching standpoint where you see him do things so differently, where Kiffin came in. Sarkeesian's there now, and he's just kind of kept quiet, just kind of like, you know, laid low, and he's putting in time as an OC until he probably goes somewhere going to be a head coach or, or whatever else. It's like, you know, the whole – like the, the coaching um, – what do they call it? What was it like coaching uh, rehab thing? We joked yeah, around yeah. about with, with yeah. Saban a lot, and and we saw it with Kiffin, where it was these kind of like passive aggressive little ways where he was just getting under Saban's skin. That's all well and good. If you yell at Coach Saban, it, you're going to be fired for one. Or you talk back to him, like there, like there's there's or you leave to in the middle of the
0: night and go to another. he knows,
1: yeah. right? There's reason to believe that that you could get away with saying something about Coach Saban or saying it to Coach Saban from a physical intimidation standpoint, and I, and I don't care how this sounds, I don't know if that is the same thing with Coach Orgeron. If you if you think that you're going to mouth off to Coach O and talk, I'll say it here, we'll believe it, talk to Coach O, not going to happen. It's just flat out not going to happen. Because that that mountain of a man, that bear of a human being, will be down your throat in three seconds.
0: That working relationship is going to be a fascinating one to watch. And there are LSU fans who are already wondering, oh, we've got all this great talent on the defensive line. Is Bo Pelini going to want to mix things up because he traditionally runs a 4-3? We're known for running this 3-4 with Aranda. How is that going to work? That's not going to be what determines LSU's success, at least right. on the defensive side of the ball, in my opinion. It's how this relationship is able to, to develop. And if they're able to, to get this thing that Aranda and Coach O had, then you know what? LSU is going to be much, much better for it. And Two million bucks... Yeah, it's it's a good amount of money. That's kind of the going rate for big time yep. coordinators now in this in this college Proven. football world that we're living in. So he's going to get a chance to prove it. And I'm not necessarily saying that it's that it's going to succeed. But anybody that's that's sitting there saying that Bo Pelini is like his players don't like him and he's a little bit too old school and he's not going to work in this system. His players in Nebraska actually really, really liked him. And that was one of the things that came out, especially after he after he was fired there, was all this outpouring of support from the players because media wasn't coming out with this outpouring of support. Fans weren't necessarily coming out with this outpouring of support, but players absolutely were. So if you're telling yourself that he's not going to be a player's first guy, I would I would question that logic and wait and yeah. see how this plays out for sure. I,
1: I'm also shocked that he hasn't gotten another head coaching job since then. Like I, He hasn't done well at, at Youngstown State like record wise, but I'm shocked that he hasn't gotten another coaching gig after what he did in Nebraska.
0: Well, it's, it's the Sean Eichhorst thing.
1: It's if you're not
0: going to get along with, with your boss and if it turns that volatile, which it did by the end of it. And there was the, the, the profanity lace rant that was really, really vulgar even by today's internet standards. Yeah. It's tough. It's it's tough. If you're an athletic director to look at that dynamic and say, yep, that's the person that I want to stake my entire job on. Just really tough to kind of get behind that. So, I, I think that we're going to talk a lot more about Bopolini down the road, but um, yeah, have some, have some mixed feelings on how that's going to work in Baton Rouge. All right, let's kick it to our interview with our good buddy, Adam Spencer. He caught us up on hoops. We needed to learn about some hoop stuff because we've been in full. I've been learning, bro. I I know, but more because Adam's our resident guy. He knows it better than we do. And he's able to kind of break it down and explain some SEC stuff and what we should be preparing ourselves for so that we don't have to cram in the middle of March, you know, conference championship and all that stuff. So let's kick it to our interview with our good buddy, Adam Spencer. We're now excited to be joined by our good friend. It is Adam Spencer. Adam, before we talk some hoops... I saw that you Marler and your significant others got to hang out over the weekend in California, which is where you live. Um, Marler isn't on this call, so I can get a straight answer from you. Tell me what Marler ate, and please tell me it wasn't just okra and Texas Pete.
2: No, he. Uh, we did find some Texas Pete though at the Facebook headquarters, so you know they're big fans of the uh, of some of the best hot sauce you're gonna find, and uh, <laughs> we found an SDS sticker while we were there too. So that was. That was pretty cool, but I, last I saw him he had just uh, downed some uh, delicious looking plate of chicken and, not, and uh, waffles so he's bringing that uh, southern cuisine taste out to the west coast here from what I saw okay that's that sounds a little bit more on brand though that's
0: that's that's pretty much on <laughs> the money. Um you are a resident hoops expert. You write starting five um weekly column that you kind of break down all things in college basketball. You crank out a ton of great SEC hoops content for SDS. Because we are kind and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in this boat as well. We're not kind of we're not in that full go hoops mode quite yet the way that you are. Catch us up a bit on the conference as a whole because from what I can tell, it seems like Auburn had this ridiculous start to the season, and Kentucky got off to kind of typical slow Kentucky start, but then, you know, playing much better, obviously, as the season progresses. It seems like, though, those elite potential final four teams in the SEC are lacking. Is that a fair thing to say?
2: I don't necessarily think so, because if you look around the country in general, you'd be hard pressed to find. True. Four teams that look like locks to make the final four. And that's that's the issue. It's like, yeah, the SEC does look like it's sort of down, but then you take a look around the country and you know, Kansas doesn't look that great, you know. This Texas Tech team that there it Kentucky is. just beaten over time, it was like, What is going on with Texas Tech? Why are they rated ranked so high when they have like seven losses now, you know? So you got Gonzaga, you got Baylor, and then after that it's like even Butler was up there as a potential number one seed for a while, and now they're they've lost like three or four or something like that so it's it's just a weird year all around college hoops, you know the defending national champion Virginia they might not even make the tournament right now the way that things are going you know they'll have a they'll have a chance to uh to pick up a huge win if they can beat uh Florida State on. Let's see what night is that game. It's sometime in the next couple of days. I think it's on Tuesday night. So tonight as you're listening to this, but yeah, it's uh that's, that's going to be a big one. And, you know, if you don't even get the defending national champion back in the mix, what does that say about just the way that the year's going in general? So that's,
0: that's a nice spin zone for the SEC because it's, just, it's essentially like, oh, yeah, hey, if you're sitting there right now with a winning record in the SEC and, you know, maybe your Joe, Joe Lenardi has you line up as an eight seed, you still have a chance theoretically in this tournament. Who are, I, I guess, besides those two teams in the SEC that are, you know, right now and then with LSU as well, having the, the season that they have? Is that kind of the the three that you would you would say? Yeah, those are teams that I, I think I think no matter what kind of craziness happens the rest of the way, those are the teams I feel good about at least getting to March and having a pretty decent seed.
2: Yeah, I think yeah those three teams are definitely the top tier in the SEC right now. They're the ones that you know are probably going to be competing for the regular season title, uh, and I think LSU, I think with their one game advantage right now, I think they're in good position to. Sort of just take that home, especially the way that they play on the road. They haven't lost an SEC road game in since the calendar said 2018 on it. So Jeez. that's impressive. That's incredible, especially for basketball, because you know Auburn was seventy or was yes was like 15 and 0 and went on the road a couple weeks ago and lost both games. So. Yeah, you know, it's really tough to pick up a road win anywhere in basketball. And the way LSU plays, I think that's going to lead to the regular season championship, but then you have, you know, LSU, Kentucky, Auburn, that's your top tier, but the dangerous teams are sitting in that next three because you have Florida, you have Alabama and you have Arkansas. And I think that those three teams are teams that nobody's going to want to see in the SEC tournament or, and I think that they're on track to make it to March madness. And if you get there, anything can happen as we've seen over the years and last year in particular.
0: You talk about LSU and LSU, I think, you know, people expected LSU to be good this year with what they're returning in Trenton Watford, obviously a lot of hype about him, but you know, LSU just apparently isn't allowed to play in close games, which is sort of the opposite of LSU football. Um, But both, you know, both kind of, or I, I guess, you know, both kind of seem like they can't lose an SEC game at this point are the Tigers just getting some fortunate bounces to be able to prevail late, or is this the product uh, of, a, of a team that has just this solid veteran guard play, who can really go deep into the tournament?
2: Um, they're getting some lucky bounces and stuff, but the thing that they do well is they knock down free throws. Like The only two teams that shoot free throws better in SEC play so far are Kentucky and Missouri, and it's not helping Missouri at all, but uh, yeah, LSU can get to the line, and when they get to the line, they can knock them down. And that's huge. That does go into the veteran guards, that, like you were talking about. And, you know, Javante Smart's only a sophomore, but that's True. You know, almost a veteran in today's game. So, yeah, he like they can do that. They drive the lane. They can kick it out, or they can take it to the hoop, get to the line. And then they're clutch, you know, when you can make free throws late in games, that really helps you win those close games. They've had some big leads that they've squandered and let get away, but when you can get in those late-game situations and calmly step to the line and knock down those shots, then you're going to win a lot because, you know, against Florida, Florida didn't get to the line nearly as much. I think LSU got to the line like 34 times, and Florida only got to the line like 11 times. So that's a huge difference, and that was the difference in the game. You know, any of those two free throws – that you know well the the multiple free throws more that lsu had if you if florida even got two more and made those and it's a completely different game and that game's going into overtime so that just shows how important that is and that's where those guards really get you and skylar mays deserves some credit too he's a little older and he's just he's really stepped into a into a not exactly like a tremont waters role because that would be unfair to compare anybody to Tremont Waters at this point, but Mm -hmm. he's, he's the leader of that team and he's going to need to play big moving forward. You talked about Florida just
0: now. What in the world is going on at Florida? Because that was one of those teams where if you looked at some of the preseason rankings, or you're talking about sec power rankings coming into the year, it felt like everybody was really ready to kind of be all on board with what that team was returning. But it just doesn't seem like what mike white has going there from what from what i can tell from a very distant you know perspective it just doesn't seem like it's working right now what what has been kind of plaguing that team and can they turn it around
2: well let me start my talk about florida by talking about kentucky <laughs> cuz this really shows the job that coach calipari has done over the years it's not easy to bring these one and done guys into the program. And that's what Florida thought it was doing when it got Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann and Omar Payne and these guys to come in. They thought, you know, here, we're just going to bolster this. We're going to get Carrie Blackshear Jr. as our big grad grad transfer. And then we're going to surround him with all this, this hugely talented freshman class. Like, well, that's what coach Cal does. That's what coach K does at Duke. Like that works out well for them. Well, okay. But that, hasn't worked out that way at Florida. And that just shows how great those two coaches are because they are able to rotate talent in every single year, spend one year with a number of guys on the team, and then still put up all these wins and make deep tournament runs. And I just think Mike White bit off a little more than he could chew earlier in the year, and that's where some of the struggles came in. They're only one in four on the road, and that's a sign of a young, inexperienced team. And if they can figure that out and they can – they've shown signs of life like they were right in it at LSU if not for that like half a second where the buzzer just sounded before they sent the game into overtime so they're right there they could they're a team that nobody's going to want to play on a neutral court in the SEC tournament but yeah that i think that when you talk about florida you have to appreciate what kentucky's done over the years what duke's done over the years bringing in talented freshmen and just making it work almost right away
0: Another talented freshman, Anthony Edwards, guy that has been talked about a lot throughout, you know, the recruiting period and you know, it just doesn't seem like Georgia has had too many of those household names. Um, Georgia hoops. It just doesn't seem like that's that's been, you know, a common theme throughout their program. But he's somebody that obviously came in with big time expectations and is somebody who even I, as somebody who's paying close attention to football, are like trying to keep an eye on Anthony Edwards and everything that he's doing with Tom Green's program. Tell me what exactly though has been kind of his his issue lately because it seems like you know I saw a story I think it was Dog Nation saying that he he had just hit this freshman wall and he's kind of got to that point of the season where he's starting to struggle a little bit and Georgia as a result is struggling as well so what's kind of been the thing that's been holding him back?
2: I just think that this team was not as well built around him like I really thought that they were going to turn the corner when they ended non-conference play with that big win at Memphis that was incredible to watch and Mm -hmm. like it wasn't necessarily Anthony Edwards best game but just the way that the team as a whole played that was I thought signs of things to come and I was I was high on Georgia entering the SEC season but you know now it's falling apart and like they're one in five and sitting towards the bottom and they just lost to Ole Miss and Ole Miss entered that game oh and five so yeah things are going south in a hurry but you know this this sort of reminds me you know they're two very different players but anthony edwards sort of reminds me of ben simmons at this point you know i mean Mm -hmm. ben simmons was from australia but um you know anthony edwards went to his hometown school here and you know top player in the class and now the team might not even make the ncaa tournament like they're gonna have a lot of work to do if they want to if they want to keep going, they're probably going to have to make a deep run in the sec tournament to even have a shot at March madness. So yeah, I mean, he's got the talent to turn it around and they've got another great player in uh in Ray Hammonds that is down in the post doing great things, but those two guys can't do it all. And, you know, Anthony Edwards is a freshman and he is, you know, playing more physical, more competitive basketball than he's ever played in his life. So it is taking a toll on him a little bit, but, if the, if those two guys don't start you know leading the team a little more aggressively and you know if they don't make the players around them better that's a, that's a big sign of a star is to make the players around them better and that's something that Ben Simmons didn't necessarily do at LSU and it cost LSU in that in that year that he was there and then now it's looking like Anthony Edwards is going to have his hands full just to get this team to March so that's not, uh, I just think that there's still a lot of potential there, though. So don't yeah. write them off just yet. But it's danger time right now. You gave them the bulletin board material. I like that. That was good. Every Georgia <laughs> yeah. fans like
0: hey, Adam's talking smack about Georgia basketball. That's no, that that'll get back to them for sure. But I, I think that's that's a, that's a fair thing to say at this point. Will Musselman, SEC Coach of the Year, or are you taking the field? Uh,
2: I'm going to take the field on that one. Um they're only three and three in SEC play right now and uh yeah, Musselman's done a great job uh coming in. I mean you know, Arkansas is fifteen and four. They've got what I think is probably the best backcourt combo in the SEC and Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones. And Jimmy Witt Junior's been playing lights out lately too. And just when you got those three guys, that's a team that's going to be interesting to watch because we've seen time and time again that top guard play is what gets you deep in tournaments and deep into March Madness. Like that's, if you have great guards, I mean, just look at what Auburn did last year, just lighting up the the three point line and just making a final four run for the first time. That was because of Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. And, you know, that's what you need in these tournaments. So nobody's going to want to play Arkansas just because, and that's a testament to what Eric Musselman has done. But, you know, I'm going to look at guys like Nate Oates. If, Alabama finishes ahead of Arkansas in the SEC standings which they are ahead of them right now I think you got to consider Nate Oates as the potential first year SEC coach of the year right off the bat and that just shows how great those hires were this offseason that we're talking we're sitting here talking about two first-year SEC head coaches as like perhaps the front runners to to win the award. It's sad that I just said
0: Will Musselman, and I meant Eric. I'm so programmed on football right now that I was thinking Will Muschamp, and I just that's the football guy. I mean, he just came out, so whatever it happens. I'm not in that mode just yet. Let's uh, let's well, close I'm gonna, with. I'm
2: gonna pretend that you. Uh, I'm going to pretend that you combine Will Wade and Eric Musselman, because mm. Will yep, Wade you know, is going to be in that conversation. Yep. Okay. See, that's what I was doing. I was just combining
0: go. two coaches. Yep. The brain works there in mysterious go. ways. I, thanks for having my back, Adam. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, let's let's end with a yeah, couple you. of. We're going to talk late January predictions because I, I know that everybody everybody makes their predictions in the in the middle of March, but I think making them right now is, is interesting, especially given the season that we, that that has been so far in college basketball. which just seems like kind of anything can happen this year. Give me your SEC regular season champ, your SEC tournament champ, and the team in, from the SEC who goes furthest in the NCAA tournament.
2: All right. Well, I think I mentioned it earlier. The regular season champ. I think I think LSU has has shown that you know they can win it again. They won it last year. I think they can. I think they can get the job done again this year. And they're six and zero right now. They're showing no signs of slowing down. So you know they'll have some big games against Auburn and Kentucky. And I really think that. Uh, Wednesday night is a game that you need to keep an eye on because Alabama comes to town. And Alabama is the biggest wild card in all of this because if that team gets hot from three and starts creeping into the 90s, they can hang with anybody in the country, not just the SEC. So they're a big wild card. But give me LSU for regular season champion. Uh, Tournament champion, I like Kentucky in the depth that they have. Running guys out at you over the course of a condensed event, I really think that they can, they can make a run, especially with the way Nick Richards is playing. Like the big man, the junior, he's you know saying junior for Kentucky is something that you don't really hear a whole lot. Yeah, that's weird. But, you know, he's playing, he's playing like a SEC Player of the Year right now, and if the season ended today, I'd probably give it to him. He's been that good as a junior, and just a real testament to just showing. That Coach Cal can also develop guys, and just having him in the middle, and you know, with a guy like Tyrese Maxey who can carry the load offensively on any given night, I think that he's a guy that can really get hot going into the SEC tournament. And then, all right. yeah, I really think that. No, sorry,
0: sorry to interrupt. I thought I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna cut it off and say that Kentucky's just gonna win it all. My bad. Continue, Adam.
2: Oh, well, no, I think that they're going to win the SEC tournament. But furthest in March Madness, I, I don't know. I don't know if any team from the SEC is going to is going to win it. But I do think that Kentucky can make it the furthest. And, you know, like I said, with these teams, with the great guards, I wouldn't be surprised to see Arkansas. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alabama. I wouldn't be surprised to see Auburn all make deep runs, too, if they can get hot from from three and really just ride their outside shooting. Kentucky and LSU are going to have to work a little harder at it because they don't really have the three point shooters. But you know, I I do think that this Kentucky team has the depth, especially in a year like this, to really make a deep run in the tournament.
0: Gotcha. Last, last, last thing. Got anything bad you want to say about Kansas while while we're talking here?
2: (laughs) No, I was. uh, I mean, I'm I'm really glad to see that Baylor looks like the team to beat in the Big Twelve right now. So, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for. Baylor to to keep because Kansas broke its streak of winning the regular season title last year so I'm really hoping to see that uh no banner streak continue in Lawrence but you know I was I spent actually spent a lot of last week defending the Jayhawks you know after this brawl that happened (laughs) it's like all the there was a lot of hand wringing going on and stuff and you know obviously it was an ugly situation and you never want to see things spill over into the stands and you never want to see a guy pick up a stool and threaten to use it as a weapon. You know, fortunately he didn't. And that's, but you know, that's why it was okay. If you go back through some of these brawls that have happened in college basketball history, like the, the guy Sylvia DeSosa who got suspended for 12 games, like some of these other like way uglier situations, didn't get half those suspensions. So I don't know. True. It felt weird to be like, we need to calm down a little bit about this Kansas situation. You know, normally I would have been like, you know, give him the death penalty or whatever, but you know, shut down the program. But I just felt like things got a little out of hand media wise after that one. <laughs> Jeez. Wow.
0: Adam is defending Kansas. We're talking in basketball instead of football. It's a weird it's... year, man. It's a weird Damn. year. It's weird times. It's weird times. Adam, appreciate you coming on. We're gonna have you on probably in a few weeks. You gotta keep us. You gotta keep us on on our you know our p's and q's and stuff when it comes to basketball because you know we 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 slip up a little bit. We're watching the Senior Bowl. We're watching you know we'll flip on the Pro Bowl. We'll do whatever. But us football guys, you know, it's it's tough for us to kind of transition. But we will uh, we'll we'll stay up to date with all your content and all things all things on SDS. So Adam, appreciate it. We'll do it again real soon, man. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Take it easy, Marler. Very important question. Do they have Texas Pete in California?
1: Connor, they do have Texas Pete in California, and I'm glad you asked because I don't want you to get upset here. But I saw some Texas Pete at the Facebook headquarters, Ooh, where we get to do guy. a tour of Facebook, and I and I have to I'll give him a shout out uh, here in a second. But first, I want to give a shout out to our good friend Texas Pete. Um, guys, here's the thing. You can't leave home without Texas Pete. I had to learn that almost the hard way. Uh, this week, we went to San Francisco, Oakland, Berkeley, just the whole swanky, bougie area nice. of California, um, and for for a family wedding uh, of Allie's, and it was, um, it was a lot of fun, but, you know, I made the mistake of thinking that I could trust TSA, that, you know, that I could sneak in a couple of bottles of Texas Pete on the trip, and I couldn't. I couldn't. They took them away from me. It was a very dangerous time for me and my body. I'm not going to get into it, but full search. Um, it's my own fault. It's my own fault. But cavities are real. This really mouth Or in a search. Um, I'm not, that's not. I'm not going to get into it, Connor. I'm not okay. going to get into right. it. Right now. I'm not. I'm not emotionally in a place I can really. Physically can experience. I got you. But what I will say is, we got to this incredible place called the Claremont. It's like a this this outstanding getaway where if you saw my Instagram story. Uh, it was the most overpriced food imaginable, and it wasn't that great. So, luckily, I did have one little bottle of Texas Pete that I stole from the Facebook headquarters on Saturday. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, and I was able to put it on my eggs Sunday morning. I was able to put it on most of my food Saturday night. It was fantastic. But don't make the same mistake I did. Don't leave Texas home. Don't leave home without Texas Pete. Don't leave home without it. Um Texas Pete, our good friends, we've they've obviously sponsored the podcast for several years now. Uh, you guys know we love them. We hope you do as well. And just because football season is over, doesn't mean tailgate season is over. So make sure you're still using Texas Pete. We got a big Super Bowl. Uh, if you're having a big Super Bowl party this week, make sure you go over to TexasPete.com. Check out some of the uh, the recipes and stuff like that that we have up there from our videos on Saturday on South through just different things that they come up with on their own uh, on texaspeat.com. And then make sure you are using that for your ingredients, using the hashtag sauce like you mean it. There you go. Sort of buried the lead here. Um, so much happened in California, dude.
0: Yeah, so I, I'm, <laughs> I'm you know, just doing kind of standard you know, checking social media and stuff on on Saturday night and I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. That's the SDS Instagram account, which again, go follow. Um, SDS was at Facebook. Facebook headquarters was, wait, was tough out there? No, no. Mar- okay. That was Marler. Marler was out yeah. at, at, in, at Facebook headquarters. Had Marler, to give. What were you doing? Business out there? What, what exactly was going on? Why don't you tell the people what exactly you were doing at Facebook headquarters and tell them the magic of this podcast,
1: dude. So Alan Pesty, just the biggest shout out ever. Uh, and we, we went out to the Bay Area, and um, we were going to be there for like five days, and one of our listeners reached out in the Facebook group, Alan and He's like, hey, man, if you're still in the Bay Area and want to tour Facebook, let me know. And I got it like late, late night, and I was like, oh, that that's kind of cool. And, and we joked about this afterwards, so I feel okay joking about it now. But I was like, that'd be a fun way to get murdered. It's just, yeah. it's just going on a Facebook tour with a stranger that it's in California. Cause guys, I don't know if you watch a lot of Netflix documentaries, a lot of murder in, in California. Yeah. But Alan was on a murder. Alan was like the best dude ever. He was, he was honestly one of the nicest, most genuine, humble dudes. Great, great dude. Um, served in the military. Thank you again for your service, man. And then just offered up. He's like, Hey, if you want to come out here, like to, um, Minlo city, I think it was what it's called. Um, you can come see Facebook uh, campus, we'll go on a full tour. And I was like telling Allie, and she was like, yeah, let's definitely do that. Like, that'd be awesome. So yeah, we went out there kind of like on a whim, um, met up with Adam Spencer, you know, the guy we just interviewed, uh, one of our buddies and his wife, and had, had a blast, and, and he showed us all around campus. And it was just really cool, one, to see Facebook in general. Like, it's just this mat- – I can't put into words how big, like, that campus was. It, it, was, it was huge. It was huge. And it was – we we weren't a, like we couldn't walk it like you physically wouldn't be able to walk it we we were, we had to ride around and one reason we rode around is because Alan has a badass Tesla and that was cool Ooh. um yeah but we like walked around he showed us through Facebook uh headquarters showed us through um, Instagram headquarters and all this different stuff and and I, we saved the story, so you have to see it on, like, online all that kind of stuff but one of the coolest things that's ever happened while working at SCS. There was a there's this like like in in the middle of the campus there's this outdoor little community where there's like shops it looks like a, like an outdoor mall type area where there's food and, and, and this whole concourse and, and there's different kinds of food everywhere so they had like you know Chinese food, pizza, burgers, they had they had a nacho place. What? Separate from a taco place, Connor. Like they're different. That bro, needs I'm to moving be in. that needs to be everywhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so then in the middle of it there's like the the number 10 was like the building number. It was this Georgia-themed barbecue stand, right? This little pop-up, like a food pop-up. It was Georgia-themed. So, and Alan had posted a picture of this, and I don't know how I missed it, uh, in the Facebook group like a long time ago because he went in there. On the back door at of, of this little pop-up at Facebook headquarters in Midlow Park. That's what it was. Midlow Park, California. is a Saturday Down South sticker. Love a it. Georgia, Georgia- sts sticker and i like i'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it It was like one of the coolest things ever where was like man like this is that was awesome it was awesome and the whole experience was really cool as well um so yeah it was it was it was a great day we got to do that and then um it's a whole bunch of stuff and i put that put that lady out that was on fire was yeah what deal. a weekend you had <laughs> goodness yeah. gracious man. this woman this woman caught on fire had she was a, we were out to dinner real quick i'll just tell you real quick sorry but we were out to dinner at this this like trendy spot um, in Oakland, and this there's like we're like, there's like a bunch of people around, and, and we're we're at the dinner after the wedding, so it's all these family members that I don't know, and me. I'm just kind of like sitting at the end of the, the end of the table, like they all have inside Texas jokes, Pete. yeah, just chugging Texas Pete, and and this one of our waiter or our waitress was turned around, and I see the guy, and she, I had her back my back to her, and the guy across from me, Farrell was like, "You're on fire, you're on fire," and just pointing. And I turn around, and she doesn't hear him. And she's just got this, like, this, like, you know, towel that she has to, like, wipe off tables and stuff like that. It's in her back pocket, fully inflamed, fully on fire in her back pocket, doesn't notice. So everyone's yelling. I jump up and sprint over across the across the room to her. And I swear to God, it went in slow motion because I honestly thought... Maybe she's supposed to be on fire because she didn't notice it. Like I was like, maybe, am I going to get yelled at? Is this going to be like a gender thing or I don't know what I'm supposed to say and then I do the wrong thing. Yep. So I pull the thing out of her pocket and, and she's like caught off guard and it's like all, it's, it's on her jean i pat it out and then like i, I throw the towel on the ground and i'm stamp out the fire and then like i was out of breath for some reason i, I ran like 10 steps i was like, it was like it wasn't i was like it was like a gymnast at the end of her routine like arms out like and, and everyone started clapping and i was like absolutely and then she said she was going to give us a free bottle of wine and it didn't so no good deed
2: wow <laughs> what a way to end that story yeah there you go you're like uh, don't you're do like... nice things
0: guys you're like Kevin in that episode of The Office where you close the door on the bat and he's like, I'm a hero. He yeah.
1: Her out. <laughs> I honestly thought, I honestly thought she was, she gave me the weirdest look and everyone did too because they were like, how'd you know what to do? And I go, I honestly thought she was supposed to be on fire. Like, which would have been weird if I ran all the way over to her and then was like, reached out and just didn't touch it. It's like, ah, oh, I'm sure it's fine. And yeah. she left it. That would have been a much different reaction. Goodness gracious. Fun
0: times. Man, California sounds like a great place. Top that, bro. <laughs> I'm going to California in a few months, so I'm going to try. That, that's going to be my goal. We're, we're doing a, the Pacific Road Trip. We're doing the Pacific Ocean Road Trip. It's going to be a lot of
1: fun. Down on, uh, on Highway 5 or, or like on uh, I th- Yeah, PCH. whatever that highway
0: is on the coast. Yeah, yeah that one. that's awesome. Um, yeah, we're
1: doing uh, San Diego.
0: We're starting in San Francisco, going all the way down to San Diego. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Let's close out with, instead of fourth and wrong, we'll do fourth and wrong. We'll do maybe a little extra fourth and wrong next week. Yeah. We've gotten it might mean too much that just made my heart warm because you are the best. You, you really are because yeah. I'm sitting there on Wednesday and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, it's the off season. It's a little bit slower from a news angle. There's there's not necessarily a lot of things that are really jumping out to me that I really want to write about or, or you know, really go in depth. My Friday, it might mean too much calm. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to post on the Facebook group because we've never done anything like this before with a mailbag type thing where I just say, give me your best. It might mean too much story. Let's see what we get. And anytime I do something like that or I'll do like, you know, the Ask Me Anything type stuff, I'm always blown away by the comments. So before I say all these, thank you so much. And I try to include as many of them as possible. I think I put 14 in there, which still ended up being like a 3,000-word column. Um, But thank you for for everybody that was able to respond to that. And if I didn't necessarily, if I didn't use yours in the story or if I'm not going to mention it right here and now, know that I could come back to that at a later date. So... I want to just read a few of the ones that I got because these were just really, really good. And if you didn't necessarily see all the comments, I figured I'd share these with. So, all right, let's start with uh, Karina Baum. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing your last name wrong. I laughed out loud very hard when I read this. She says, I was dancing with a guy in a Texas A&M pullover at a bar in New York. He probably thought when I leaned over and whispered in his ear that I was going to ask him to take me home. But instead, I leaned in and whispered, Jimbo Fisher wasn't worth 75 million. He never talked to me again after
1: that. Wow! If I wasn't if I wasn't marrying Allie, who I love very much, I would I would hit up Karina Bomb right now. That is that is good for you, Karina. I thought like you
0: hacked some somebody's account. I thought you hacked Karina's.
1: Oh, account. Connor! That, I <laughs> I did the opposite of that, where where her where her assumption was of of of. What she thought the guy was going to ask, I did that to an a and fan that I didn't know was an a and fan until I found out the morning of the uh, Manziel uh, upset. Oh,
0: yikes. Okay. So
1: that was not my best move.
0: Not your best move. That did not age well. Um, no. This one from Kevin Thompson. He says, I was stationed with a guy in New Orleans who I found out later was a Bama fan, hung out with him a bit, and eventually got introduced to his family including their human children. I want to make this extremely clear. Their kids were humans, not pets. Their names, <laughs> son's name was Bear, and daughter's name was Allie Bama. And I honestly wish I was lying to
1: you right now. That Kevin, is- just na- Kevin, first off, I love Kevin Thompson. I know exactly what he's talking about because I remember hearing a story about these two okay. in, a, in a newspaper. It was on AL.com. Kevin Thompson... Who I love dearly Kevin. I know you're listening. Congrats! He just had a child this past week. Ooh, congrats, Kevin! Yeah, and that child's name is John Parker. Oh my! Oh come on, <laughs> Kevin. Kev. Kevin! come on, Kevin! Um, no, that's that's pretty funny.
0: <laughs> John Parker is a very common name. It doesn't necessarily have
1: absolutely, to be. <laughs> man. He's a, he's gonna be a he's gonna play quarterback. His brother's gonna play shortstop. But that's not that's not oh, man. anyway.
0: Oh, all right, let's end with uh, this one from uh, Ryan. I'm gonna botch a lot, the pronunciation of your last name straw him straw him i it's think better, i hope yeah. um lsu fan hernandez not that <laughs> that's problematic we don't say that um last year my beautiful daughter was born her due date was january 1st as her due date approached the bowl game schedule was announced and both my team lsu and my wife's team uga were scheduled to play that day I begged and begged my wife's OBGYN to have the baby just a week early so we didn't have to watch the games in the hospital. Well, it turned out that my wife had a very, very minor complication that resulted in them deciding to induce her labor on December 18th. When the doctor told us that we would be having the baby, I let out a little bit of a whoop and got, a bi- and got big laughs from the doctor and midwife because they knew part of why I was expected to, to meet our baby girl sooner. So the next day, my wife gave birth to our precious daughter, and then I was able to watch LSU beat UCF with my baby girl at home for her first Tigers game ever. I tell her all the time how lucky she is and how she hasn't lived in a world where LSU lost to Bama or lost any game for that matter. My wife thinks I'm crazy, but I just say I'm committed.
1: You know what?
0: Ryan, you're crazy, man. You're crazy.
1: I'll say it, Ryan. I'll say it right now. First off, the fact that you even brought up that your baby hasn't seen Bama uh, beat LSU our, our, Bama's living rent free in you and your baby's head um, first and foremost second off dude I love this story I absolutely love this story and, and like Allie and I have, have already talked about kids and whether we want them or not and part of like we are so on the fence because we are either going to get nine more corgis or just zero kids or one more right kid I mean yeah. um, but the fact that you wanted to induce her a week early that's on which would have been the, no in any other time. I get it, but the fact that you wanted to give your child a Christmas birthday that is the biggest, that is the biggest blank move of this whole thing. I love this whole story, it's incredible. Um, but yeah, let's not, I don't want to overlook that one part, but yeah, you, you know what? That's got to be pretty great. that You know, what a good luck charm! lsu has a new good luck charm. I'm thinking yeah, that this needs to this be baby. Thing. This baby, I, Mike
0: the Tiger, got a lot of great years. This baby,
1: sixteen and O, Connor. The baby is She's sixteen. He's a Floyd Mayweather babies.
0: Uh, let, let's get the baby on the sideline. Let's get the baby a little comfortable area, kind of like what Ugga has in terms of setup stuff like that. Oh
1: yeah, you want to put it on a bag of ice? What's wrong with you? Whoa, let's. He let's, can't like a do this in with babies. Involved. Let's no. Let's not do that. Um, that is awesome though, Ryan. This is some good stories. <laughs> There's a bunch more of them. We're not gonna read them today, but you have a bunch more, right?
0: There's a ton of them. There's a t- I, It's go go read that that thread on our Facebook group. That's a nice little shameless I'm scared. Plug. Go read that thread because there are some really, really good ones. I think there was like 35 or 36 or something last I checked. Yeah. Really, it, it means so much that everybody was able to, so many people were able to respond with really, really good stories. And the
1: article is up on Saturday Down I South. Need, I made a out. burner account, and I made it too obvious. His name's Maris Carler, and it's a picture of <laughs> read, the uh, Addiction it's Network. It's a picture of the Addiction Network face photoshopped over Matt Luke's face. That's right. So, okay. um, but... But I, I really, I should have just not, I should have done another burner account and told y'all the actual stories, some, like, real stories. Like, that. The, the Nashville story, when I woke up and with the culprit of A&M, a, an A&M fan and then the A&M beat Bama, that was tough. But but I, I gotta say, too, on the shameless plug on the Facebook, the, like, probably the sweetest thing ever, and she's not listening, so I'll say the dumbest thing ever, Pastor Patty Sue. <laughs> I told her we were out of Facebook, and I was like, they had an SDS sticker, and she's like, okay, so, and I was like, hey, at Facebook, at headquarters, at Facebook in California. And she was like, so what? They should have that everywhere because you guys do so many Facebook Lives and your Facebook group is like blowing up. And I was like, boom. Yeah, you don't understand how Facebook works, mom, but thank you for the support. That's great.
0: Preach, Patty Sue. <laughs> preach. Let's hear. Let's go. Um, thank you to everybody who has already been a member of our Facebook group. If you have not yet, there's there's plenty of time to go do it. Go join our Facebook group, Saturday yeah. Down South Podcast on Facebook. Make sure if you have not yet, for whatever reason, followed us on the gram. That's what kids call it. Make sure that you do that as well, Saturday Down South. Follow us on Twitter, at the Pod, at Vern Funquist, at TGO Garrett. Good old at SDS, you know, got great yep. stuff there. You want to follow all of our news content, at SEC Football is the place that you're going to go for all of that as well. Appreciate Adam for coming on, dropping some knowledge on SEC hoops. Marlar, the plan right now is to do one show a week. We're going to maybe have times where we do two in a week. We might have adjustment more coming up soon. I know I've said that a lot, but we're going to hammer down a date to nail down. We don't hammer down. We're going to nail down a date to be able to do that. And we're going to have a lot of great stuff coming up. True. I got to pee, so all right. Up. And we're going to have a great guest coming up uh, next week. We're going to talk a lot Sorry. more draft stuff. Our favorite draft expert to be able to there have a little hint for you. All right, Coach O, Marler, uh, anybody watching The basketball? Coming from Marler.
1: Coming from Marler. Love you guys. Love each other. We'll talk to you all later. Talk to you soon.